If you're new with us this morning, my name is Trent. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And today we are ending a series that we've been in over the past month. And in this series, we've been exploring something that the Old Testament prophet Isaiah said about 700 years before Jesus was born. So listen to what he said in Isaiah 9, 6. He said, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. So over the past month, we've been exploring what it means for Jesus to be our Wonderful Counselor, our Mighty God, our Everlasting Father. And today we're going to explore what it means for Jesus to be our Prince of Peace. And to do that, I'd like us all to just take a few minutes and reflect on how peaceful Christmas time can be for all of us. So let's go back to October, okay? (laughs) So I want you to imagine with me that it's October and it's a Saturday morning. You've got some projects to do around the house and you you remember, I've got to go to Walmart to get something. And you decide to go through the garden section. Okay, so you go through the garden section, come around the corner and you see this. Now, I don't know if this causes anybody to have a moment of panic in October, but for me it does. Like I'm just thinking I'm doing my Saturday project and I walk into Walmart and go, wait a minute, did I miss a month? What just happened? Like how are we celebrating Christmas yet? And then I remember, oh yeah, we keep celebrating that earlier and earlier and maybe we'll start celebrating it in July next year. Not, not really sure, but it kind of starts me off on that panic moment in that season. And then Thanksgiving comes and it kicks off for me one of my favorite times of the year. I love from Thanksgiving to the new year. But Thanksgiving has this thing with it that ambushes me every year. I know it's coming. But when it comes, I'm never ready for it. It's this thing called Black Friday. I don't know why they call it Black Friday because it starts on Thursday. And it always tries to interfere with my post-turkey dinner nap. And my kids say, hey, let's go Black Friday shopping. And I say, how about not? Like, (laughs) you do that. I did that one year and almost died. And uh, I thought, you know, I'd like to keep all of my my limbs when I'm trying to get that, you know, Christmas present for for one of my kids. I'd rather not do that. I'll pay a higher price than go experience (laughs) that. So it's a little bit stressful to do Christmas shopping. Anybody else a little bit stressed out about that? A few people, no, up front, a few few other folks maybe. So shopping in general is stressful for me. When my wife calls and says, hey, would you run by the grocery store on your way home? I'm like, no, no, she doesn't understand. Like it takes her 10 minutes because she knows where everything is. It takes me an hour because I go through the store like 10 times to find things that are on the same aisle. So shopping in general is stressful. Christmas shopping is a little bit more stressful to me because I'm never really sure. You know, I wander the store. Sometimes I've, I've done this the past few days. It's just kind of, there's moments I wander the store like, this gift? Is this a good one? And will they like this? Will they like that? And I'm never really sure. And I make my selection. I go home and then Christmas wrapping happens. Anybody like to wrap Christmas presents? Okay, a number of you do. That, that's great. My kids love to wrap presents. And they say often, hey, can we wrap presents tonight? I'm like, go right ahead and wrap all the ones from me too, from me too, please. Because 
Christmas wrapping is a little bit stressful for me. Here's a reason why. My wife is an expert at it. Like she is so good when she wraps stuff. It's just amazing. And like you don't want to open it because it looks like a piece of art. Like it's a decoration that should be in a store or something. And then when I wrap, it looks a little different. Looks like Grinch got involved. You know, duct tape is good for just about anything. Uh, Christmas wrapping as well. And then comes preparing the Christmas meal. And often, you know, we have family around that are traveling from, you know, over an hour away and we're getting together and it's a little stressful trying to get all the, the elements cooked at the right time. Everything's warm, everything's ready. I don't really know a whole lot about that because I don't do much of the cooking in our house around Christmas, but I watch the stress levels in my wife and, and see that in other family members. So I know that that can be a stressful time. And then comes our family gatherings. And isn't it great to see family come together? Isn't it great when family goes after the celebration sometimes? You know, I mean, it's great to see family. And sometimes when we get together as families, like old stuff comes up. You know, sometimes there's some unresolved conflict. And sometimes, you know, there's maybe a family member that likes to get real passionate about politics or religion. And, and maybe your family doesn't all agree about all that stuff. And, and maybe it kind of creates a little bit of tension and chaos. And oh, no, here we go into, into that conversation again. And it leaves some people like looking for any excuse to leave the Christmas party. Like, hey, you guys, I think my house is on fire. And I, I, I'm not sure, but I got to go check and make sure. Good seeing you. See you next year. And then we're out. So the Christmas time can be anything but peaceful sometimes. Now, if you think about it, the first Christmas was much like that. First Christmas wasn't all that peaceful. So think about Mary. Uh, Here's this young Jewish woman who has this really strange encounter with an angel. So this angel shows up and says, Mary, you are highly favored, and uh, you've brought great pleasure to the Lord, and um, through you, he's going to bring God in the flesh into the world. You're going to have a baby, and oh yeah, it's going to be God, and imagine being her. Imagine being her at that young age and, and having to deliver that news to your parents, to your fiance, to his family to the people in your community who all think you're just lying, like you've been unfaithful and you should be executed because you've been unfaithful. And she, she could have been. So I'm sure that was a very stressful time for her. And then there was her fiance, Joseph, who had a big decision to make. Like, what do I do? Like this woman who I've, I've asked to marry me says she's giving birth to God's son. Like, what do I do with that? Like, that's just the strangest thing ever. Never really known her to be a person of deception. And yet, like, how am I supposed to believe her? What am I supposed to do? If Joseph were to marry her, then there might be some people who say, oh, it's really your son. It's really your child that you're just trying to hide the fact that you guys couldn't wait for your wedding day. Or he would be known as the guy who could not stand up to his wife who was unfaithful. If he decides not to marry her, then poor Mary will most likely live a rejected, isolated life with her parents away from her community and will experience that for the rest of her life. 
So Joseph has a big decision to make. I'm sure it wasn't a very peaceful time for him. And even when an angel shows up and tells him, listen, it's okay to marry Mary because she's telling the truth, even with that news that he has, the angel didn't show up to anybody else in the community, just him. So imagine him going to tell his friends, hey guys, it's okay. An angel showed up and told me she's telling the truth. And how many of his friends are going to go, oh, great, that's awesome. Yeah, go ahead. Most of them are going to think, oh, no, you're like backing her deception now. So he decides to marry Mary. Then they get a postcard in the mail. It's from Rome. And they're pretty excited. It's an invitation. Looks like something big, something special. And they find out, no, it's an order from the emperor of Rome. They've got to go back to Bethlehem, which is Joseph's hometown, to be taken up in a census so that the emperor could make sure he's getting all the taxes that he deserves or he thinks he deserves. So for them, what that means is they have to travel from Nazareth down to Bethlehem, 80 miles walking or on a donkey while Mary is nine months pregnant. Uh, any ladies up for that? Any, anybody want to take the, any guys up for that? Anybody want to go on that journey? I'm not thinking so. Imagine how stressful that would have been for them. And then they finally got there, 80 mile journey. They make it to Bethlehem and, and like Mary is expecting, she is ready to have this baby and they're looking for a place to stay, can't find a place to stay. And I used to think, well, that just meant that the town was so busy because of the census, but I'm not so sure that's what it means. This was Joseph's hometown. So most likely he still had family members that lived there. And what they might have experienced that first Christmas is knocking on family doors saying, hey, it's me, Joseph. Remember, like I was a little kid, but I moved away. But like, hey, I'm back for the census. You got a place for us to stay. My wife is about to give birth. And maybe their experience were shut doors because they said, listen, like you're backing her deception, her lie. She's claiming to give birth to the son of God. That's not true. She's a liar. You're backing her in that. We don't want to have anything to do with you, her or that baby. Maybe that's a reason why they couldn't find a place to stay. The only place they could find was a stable, which for us would kind of be like a barn filled with animals. And imagine how peaceful that would have been. No hospital bed to deliver the baby in. No button to push to call the nurse like, hey, I, I need something. No medical experts if something goes wrong. All they have is cows, donkeys, and sheep watching God being born. So I think that for Mary and Joseph, their stress levels were probably at an all-time high. And maybe some of you can relate to them this Christmas. Maybe for you, your stress levels are at an all-time high. So, so maybe for some of you, like you're thinking about all the financial pressure that you're under right now. And you're thinking like, I don't know how we're going to pay our mortgage or our rent in January. How are we gonna survive Christmas and the new year? Maybe some of you are reflecting on the fact that maybe for you, this is another year of being alone. Like maybe you're longing to be with someone special and you haven't found that person yet. And, and so there's just kind of an ache in your heart and you just feel lonely and a little bit anxious this Christmas. 
Maybe the thought of being alone sounds wonderful to you because you think about your family and the chaos that they bring into your life and you're just like, man, it's a fantasy, but I would just love to be alone. You're like, here, you need a family, here's mine. <laughs> or, or maybe you or someone that you love is not doing real well physically and maybe you're thinking this possibly could be the last Christmas that we have together. So Christmas can be anything but a peaceful time of year for a lot of people. But I want you to listen to what Luke records about that in Luke chapter two. Luke chapter two, starting in verse eight, he says, he says this. He says, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heavens and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Verse 15 says, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. You know, I wonder what Mary thought about as she held baby Jesus that first Christmas. After all the stress that they'd been through, all the chaos that they'd endured, I wonder as, as she's holding God in the flesh, what, like, what is she thinking? Like, how is this possible? This is the creator of the universe, the one who created everything, including me, and I'm holding him as a baby. Like, he needs me. He needs me to take care of him in, the, in this context. And I wonder if she thought about what Isaiah said in Isaiah 9-6. She would have known that passage. She would have known that prediction about the Messiah. And here she is holding the Messiah. She knows the truth of this child. And I wonder if she's thinking... Isaiah said he would be our wonderful counselor. Isaiah said he would be our mighty God. Isaiah said he would be our everlasting father. And how is that possible? Like, I'm his mom. Like, how, how is that going to happen? Isaiah said he would be a prince of peace and would bring peace to the entire world. I wonder all that Mary thought about as she embraced baby Jesus that first Christmas. Does anybody here like to hold babies besides me? I love to hold babies. If you like to hold babies, I want to tell you about our uh, nursery ministry that we have goes on every Sunday morning, all three services. You know, you can hold a baby and give that baby back after an hour. Like you don't have to take them home. It's a wonderful ministry. But I, I love holding 
my babies. I love holding all babies, but I really especially loved holding my babies when they were born. And uh, when my wife and I were first having kids, I told her, I said, listen, I'm probably going to engage our kids a little bit more when they're a little bit older and can talk and interact. I, like I, The baby phase, like I'm not really sure what to do. And then we had them. And uh, I was just amazed at them and fell in love with each of our four kids. And I love taking the hospital blanket that we were given and wrapping them up like a burrito, as tight as I could get them, and then putting them in my arm, sitting on our recliner, kicking back, wedging a pillow under my arm and just falling asleep. Like that was just such a special time. And then they could start talking. I said, now go see your mom. Like <laughs> she, she'll have something for you. I just love holding babies. And I had the privilege recently of holding my grandson. So I've got a grandson that's a little over um, two months old. And now that I am a part of the grandpa club, I have this responsibility to show off my grandson. It's, it's part of the bylaws of the grandpa club. So is it all right if I show you my grandson this morning? All right, I got a short little clip that my daughter sent of him. So um, take a look at this little clip of him. So isn't that just so cute? Like, 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 how's that possible? He's doing nothing. He's not doing anything there. And we're all like, oh, that's so sweet. He sounds like a baby seal. That's great. And I, uh, I told my wife, I said, you know, that's so sweet. But, you know, for me, like when I sleep, I sound like an adult seal. And you don't think it's that special. Like, I don't, I don't know why she doesn't like ooh and ah when I sleep. But it, there's just something special something peaceful or something calming about a baby what are they doing nothing they're just kind of hanging out there's something special about babies something special about Jesus and Jesus didn't only bring peace to us as a baby but he grew up and he brought peace to the world listen to what Jesus said uh, to his disciples in John 14, 27, he said, I am leaving you with a gift. And so he's telling them about a time he says, I'm about to leave you. I'm about to go away, but I'm not leaving you with nothing. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace that I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you, I'm going away, but I will come back to you again. If you really loved me, you'd be happy that I'm going to the father who is greater than I am. And I've told you these things before they happen so that when they do happen, you will believe. So there's a peace that we can have that comes from what Jesus was about to do after he told his disciples this. There's a peace that Jesus offers us that comes from what he did on the cross. And I know it's Christmas, but you cannot separate Christmas from Easter the reason Jesus was born, the mission that he had in his life was to die so we can live, was that he would step into our world. He would step out of the splendor of heaven. He would step into our mess, into our chaos, into our sorrow, into our pain, into our sin to bring us peace through his death, burial, and resurrection. And Because Jesus laid down his life for us and picked it back up again, 
we can experience peace. That's why the Apostle Paul said confidently in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, he said, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. And his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So we can have a peace that exceeds anything that makes sense to us or anybody else. Like we can actually experience a peace that other people would say, how can you be so peaceful in that financial situation or in that health issue that you're battling or that issue that you're going through at work? How can you be so peaceful right now about that? And the answer is we can receive God's peace that he offers us when we talk to him, when we tell him what we need, when we thank him for what he's done, we can actually receive a peace that is beyond all that we can explain to anybody or even understand ourselves. So how might you need Jesus to bring you peace this Christmas season? How might you need peace this time of year? Jesus can bring peace into any home that's chaotic, he can bring peace into any heart that is fearful and uncertain about the future. Jesus can bring peace to anyone at any time in any situation. So how might you need peace this Christmas season? Last week, we looked at a phrase that, that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11. He said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. So we learned last week that we have to come to Jesus to get that rest, and the same thing applies to the peace that Jesus offers us. We actually have to come to Jesus to get that peace. So this morning, we want to create a space for you to do that. If you need some peace this Christmas season, we want to create a space through our communion time. Just a minute, our worship team is going to come out, and they're going to guide us through a communion song. And while they are singing, you're going to be free to come up to one of our communion tables and take communion. And, and as you do that, what I encourage you to do is talk to Jesus about the peace that you may need this Christmas season. So like, tell him what you need. Thank him for what he's done. And then commit to applying the peace that he offers. So just remember, you don't have to be stressed out this Christmas season. You don't have to be anxious. You don't have to, to be fearful. You don't have to be angry. You can be peaceful. Not just the Christmas season, but all year long. So we're going to create this space during communion for that to happen. And let me tell you how we do communion here if you're new with us. Um, we believe that communion should be open to anybody who's put their faith and trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior, whether you call this your church home or not. So if you're a Christ follower, then we hope that you'll celebrate communion with us today. We have six stations set up. We have two up here in the front. We have four in the back. And in just a minute, I'm going to pray. And when I finish praying and our worship team starts singing, you are free to get up out of your seat to move to any one of these stations and pick up the communion elements. So as you come up, yeah, the communion elements will be there. You'll find little pieces of bread or little pieces of cracker for those that might have gluten issues. And then you'll find little cups of juice. So pick up a piece of bread or cracker, and remember that that represents Christ's body, which was broken for you and me. Again, Jesus said, listen, I'm stepping into your brokenness 
so that you can be made whole. And then pick up the cup of juice and remember that that juice represents Christ's blood which was poured out so that we can have eternal life. It's an agreement, a covenant that's signed in Jesus' blood, an agreement between God and anyone who is a Christ follower who puts their faith and trust in him. So pick up those elements and then you can step to one side for people who are coming behind you or you can go ahead and sit back down and I encourage you to talk to God about the peace that you may need in your life and commit to applying that peace. And then during this song, you take communion when you're ready on your own. By the end of the song, everyone should have taken communion. So hopefully all that makes sense. All right, so 1 Corinthians chapter 11 says this. It says, on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So let's pray together, and then we'll take communion. So God, we're so grateful this morning for what the prophet Isaiah said over 700 years before Jesus was ever born, that he would be our wonderful counselor, that he would be our mighty God, our everlasting father, and he would be the one who would bring peace to the entire world. And Lord, it's just so mind-boggling that that Jesus, you would step out of the splendor of heaven and, and come to earth as a baby, as a baby who would need to be taken care of and um, help to grow. And Jesus, we're so grateful that you brought peace to us as a baby. And we're grateful that you grew and you brought peace to us through your death, your burial, and your resurrection grateful that you knew your mission that was to be born to die so we can live and you didn't shy away from it you gladly did that for us so Lord this Christmas season there may be some of us here that aren't all that peaceful we're battling something that's got us worried we might be fearful we might be anxious we might be angry But we're grateful that we can actually experience a peace that's beyond anything that we understand when we apply that to our lives. And we do what what the Apostle Paul told us in Philippians. When we tell you what we need, when we thank you for what you've done, and we can experience a peace that passes anything that, that we can understand. So Lord, this morning we're grateful for that peace. Lord, we commit to applying it to our lives this Christmas and this new year. In Jesus' name, amen. You are now free to get up and take communion.